Welcome to Just Listen, a celebration of literature from Nashville Public Library. For more stories and poetry, visit our website at library.nashville.org. Please feel free to leave a comment or to make requests or recommendations. And now, for today's selection. Samuel Pepys was the son of a tailor and the fifth of eleven children. But child mortality was high in the 17th century, often 50% or more, and he was soon the oldest survivor. As an adult, he became an administrator of the Navy of England and a member of Parliament who is most famous for the diary he kept for nearly a decade while still a relatively young man. Writing for himself alone, he used a little-known shorthand that was not deciphered until the 19th century when the diary was published, more than 200 years later. He discontinued the diary when failing eyesight forced him to abandon the project. The detailed private diary that Pepys kept from 1660 until 1669 was first published in the 19th century and is one of the most important primary sources for the English Restoration period. It provides a combination of personal revelation and eyewitness accounts of great events such as the Great Plague of London, the Second Dutch War, and the Great Fire of London. Today's selections offer us a glimpse into two of London's most awful moments in time, the Plague and the Great Fire. From the Diary of Samuel Pepys, we begin. The Plague, September 3, 1665, The Lord's Day Church being done, my Lord Brunkner, Sir J. Minnis, and I, up to the vestry, at the desire of the Justices of the Peace, Sir Theo Biddulph, and Sir W. Borman, and Alderman Hooker, in order to the doing something for the keeping of the plague from growing. But, Lord, to consider the madness of the people of the town, who will, because they are forbid, come in crowds along with the dead corpse, to see them buried. But we agreed on some orders for the prevention thereof. Among other stories, one was very passionate, methought of a complaint brought against a man in the town for taking a child from London from an infected house. Alderman Hooker told us it was the child of a very able citizen in Gracious Street, a saddler, who had buried all the rest of his children of the plague, and himself and wife now being shut up and in despair of escaping, did desire only to save the life of this little child, and so prevailed to have it received stark naked into the arms of a friend, who brought it, having put it into new fresh clothes, to Greenwich, where upon hearing the story we did agree it should be permitted to be received and kept in the town. Thence with my lord Brunkner to Captain Cox, where we mighty merry and supped, and very late I by water to Woolwich, in great apprehensions of an ague. September 14, 1665 when I come home, I spend some thoughts upon the occurrences of this day, giving matter for as much content on one hand and melancholy on another as any day in all my life. For the first, the finding of my money and plate, and all safe at London, and speeding in my business of money this day. The hearing of this good news to such excess after so great a despair of my Lord's doing anything this year adding to that the decrease of five hundred and more, which is the first decrease we have yet had in the sickness since it begun, and great hopes that the next week it will be greater. Then on the other side, 
my finding that though the bill in general is abated, yet the city within the walls is increased, and likely to continue so, and is close to our house there. My meeting dead corpses of the plague carried to be buried close to me at noonday through the city in Fanchurch Street. To see a person sick of the sores carried close by me by Grace Church in a hackney coach. My finding the Angel Tavern at the lower end of Tower Hill shut up, and more than that, the alehouse at the Tower Stairs, and more than that, the person was then dying of the plague when I was last there, a little while ago, at night, to write a short letter there, and I overheard the mistress of the house sadly saying to her husband somebody was very ill, but did not think it was of the plague. To hear that poor Payne, my waiter, hath buried a child and is dying himself, to hear that a laborer I sent but the other day to Dagenham's, to know how they did there, is dead of the plague, and that one of my own watermen, that carried me daily, fell sick as soon as he had landed me on Friday morning last, when I had been all night upon the water, and I believe he did get his infection that day at Brainford, and is now dead of the plague. To hear that Captain Lamberg and Cuddle are killed in the taking these ships— and that Mr. Sidney Montague is sick of a desperate fever at my Lady Carteret's, at Scott's Hall. To hear that Mr. Lewes has another daughter sick, and lastly that both my servants, W. Hewer and Tom Edwards, have lost their fathers, both in St. Sepulchre's Parish of the Plague this week, do put me into great apprehensions of melancholy, and with good reason. But I put off the thoughts of sadness as much as I can, and the rather to keep my wife in good heart and family also. After supper, having eaten nothing all this day, upon a fine tench of Mr. Sheldon's taking, we to bed. The Fire of London, September 2nd, 1666. The Lord's Day. Some of our maids sitting up late last night to get things ready against our feast today— Jane called us up about three in the morning to tell us of a great fire they saw in the city. So I rose and slipped on my nightgown and went to her window and thought it to be on the back side of Mark Lane at the farthest. But being unused to such fires as followed, I thought it far enough off and so went to bed again and to sleep. About seven rose again to dress myself and there looked out at the window and saw the fire not so much as it was and farther off so to my closet to set things to rights after yesterday's cleaning. By and by Jane comes and tells me that she hears that above three hundred houses have been burned down tonight by the fire we saw, and that it is now burning down all Fish Street by London Bridge. So I made myself ready presently and walked to the tower, and there got up upon one of the high places, Sir J. Robinson's little son going up with me. And there I did see the houses at the end of the bridge all on fire, and an infinite great fire on this and the other side of the end of the bridge, which among other people did trouble me for poor little Mitchell and our Sarah on the bridge. So down with my heart full of trouble to the lieutenant of the tower, who tells me that it begun this morning in the king's baker's house in Pudding Lane, and that it hath burned St. Magnus's church and most part of Fish Street already. So I down to the waterside, and there got a boat and through bridge, and there saw a lamentable fire. Poor Mitchell's house, as far as the old swan, already burned that way, and the fire running farther, that in a very little time it got as far as the steel yard, while I was there. 
everybody endeavoring to remove their goods and flinging into the river or bringing them into lighters that lay off, poor people staying in their houses as long as till the very fire touched them, and then running into boats or clamoring from one pair of stairs by the waterside to another. And among other things, the poor pigeons, I perceive, were loath to leave their houses, but hovered about the windows and balconies till they were, some of them, burned their wings and fell down. Having stayed and in an hour's time seen the fire rage every way and nobody to my sight endeavoring to quench it but to remove their goods and leave all to the fire and having seen it get as far as the steel yard and the wind mighty high and driving it into the city and everything after so long a drought proving combustible even the very stones of churches and among other things the poor steeple of the church whereof my old schoolfellow Elborough is a parson taken fire in the very top, and there burned till it fell down. I to Whitehall, with a gentleman with me who desired to go off from the tower to see the fire in my boat, and there up to the king's closet in the chapel, where people come about me, and I did give them an account dismayed them all, and word was carried in to the king. So I was called for, and did tell the king and the duke of York what I saw, and that unless his majesty did command houses to be pulled down, nothing could stop the fire. They seemed much troubled, and the king commanded me to go to my lord mayor from him, and command him to spare no houses, but to pull down before the very fire every way. The duke of York bid me to tell him that if he would have any more soldiers, he shall, and so did my lord Arlington afterwards, as a great secret. Here meeting with Captain Cook, I in his coach, which he lent me, and creed with me to Paul's, and there walked along Watling Street as well as I could, every creature coming away loaden with goods to save, and here and there sick people carried away in beds. Extraordinary good goods carried in carts and on backs. At last met my Lord Mayor in Canning Street, like a man spent, with a handkerchief about his neck. To the King's message he cried like a fainting woman, "'Lord, what can I do?' I am spent. People will not obey me. I have been pulling down houses, but the fire overtakes us faster than we can do it. That he needed no more soldiers, and that, for himself, he must go and refresh himself, having been up all night. So he left me, and I him, and walked home, seeing people all almost distracted, and no manner of means used to quench the fire. The houses, too, so very thick thereabouts, and full of matter for burning as pitch and tar in Thames Street, and warehouses of oil and wines and brandy and other things. Here I saw Mr. Isaac Hublon, the handsome man, prettily dressed and dirty, at his door at Dowgate, receiving some of his brother's things, whose houses were on fire, and, as he says, have been removed twice already, and he doubts, as it soon proved, that they must be in a little time removed from his house also, which was a sad consideration. And to see the churches all filling with goods by people who themselves should have been quietly there at this time. By this time it was about twelve o'clock, and so home. Soon as dined and walked through the city, the streets full of nothing but people and horses and carts loaden with goods, ready to run over one another, and removing goods from one burned house to another. They now removing out of Canning Street, which received goods in the morning, into Lombard Street and farther, and among others I now saw my little goldsmith, Stokes, receiving some friend's goods, whose house itself was burned the day after.
I to Paul's Wharf, where I had appointed a boat to attend me, and took in Mr. Carcass and his brother, whom I met in the street, and carried them below and above bridge to and again to see the fire, which was now got farther, both below and above, and in no likelihood of stopping it. Met with the King and Duke of York in their barge, and with them to Queenhilth, and there Sir Richard Brown to them. Their order was only to pull down houses apace, and so below bridge at the waterside, but little was or could be done, the fire coming upon them so fast. Good hopes there was of stopping it at the three cranes above, and at Butolf's wharf below bridge, if care be used, but the wind carries it into the city, so as we know not by the waterside what it do there. River full of lighters and boats taking in goods, and good goods swimming in the water and only I observed that hardly one lighter or boat in three that had the goods of a house in, but there was a pair of virginals in it. Having seen as much as I could now, I away to Whitehall by appointment, and there walked to St. James's Park, and there met my wife and Creed and Wood and his wife, and walked to my boat. And there upon the water again, and to the fire up and down, it still increasing, and the wind great. So near the fire as we could for smoke, and all over the Thames, with one's face in the wind, you were almost burned with a shower of fire-drops. This is very true, so as houses were burned by these drops and flakes of fire, three or four, nay, five or six houses, one from another. When we could endure no more upon the water, we to a little ale-house on the bankside, over against the three cranes, and there stayed till it was dark almost, and saw the fire grow." And as it grew darker, appeared more and more, and in corners and upon steeples, and between churches and houses, as far as we could see up the hill of the city, in a most horrid, malicious, bloody flame, not like the fine flame of an ordinary fire, Barbary and her husband away before us. We stayed till, it being darkish, we saw the fire as only one entire arch of fire from this to the other side of the bridge, and in a bow up the hill, for an arch of above a mile long, it made me weep to see it. The churches, houses, and all on fire and flaming at once, and a horrid noise the flames made, and the cracking of houses at their ruin. So home with a sad heart, and there find everybody discoursing and lamenting the fire, and poor Tom Hayter came with some of his few goods saved out of his house, which is burned upon Fish Street Hill. I invited him to lie at my house, and did receive his goods, but was deceived in his lying there, the news coming every moment of the growth of the fire, so as we were forced to begin to pack up our own goods and prepare for their removal, and did by moonshine, it being brave dry and moonshine and warm weather, carry much of my goods into the garden, and Mr. Hayter and I did remove my money and iron chests into my cellar, as thinking that the safest place." and got my bags of gold into my office ready to carry away, and my chief papers of accounts also there, and my tallies into a box by themselves. So great was our fear, as Sir W. Batten hath carts come out of the country to fetch away his goods this night. We did put Mr. Hayter's poor man to bed a little, but he got but very little rest, so much noise being in my house, taking down of goods. Third. About four o'clock in the morning, my lady Batten sent me a cart to carry away all my money and plate and best things, to Sir W. Ryder's at Bednall Green, which I did, 
riding myself in my nightgown in the cart. And, Lord, to see how the streets and the highways are crowded with people running and riding and getting of carts at any rate to fetch away things. I find Sir W. Ryder tired with being called up all night and receiving things from several friends, his house full of goods and much of Sir W. Batten's and Sir W. Penn's. I am eased at my heart to have my treasure so well secured. Then home, with much ado to find a way, nor any sleep at all this night to me nor my poor wife. Thanks for joining us. Tune in to another session of Just Listen by visiting your Nashville Public Library website at library.nashville.org.